0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me wherever you are across the country. Welcome those of you in Salem, Oregon on KYKN. Delighted to have you with us now. Spanning across the country here from Atlanta, Georgia. And we have to begin in Georgia and spread out so you understand the lay of the land. I am a little bit concerned. I have a fear, I ha- and it's a reasonable fear, If the past is the best predictor of the future, I have a reasonable fear. And I know a number of you have the same reasonable fear. It's that things are bad for the Democrats. Objectively, so things are bad for the Democrats right now. Joe Biden's popularity is terrible. Inflation is on the rise. Interest rates are going to go up, it's going to provoke a recession. The economy is doing well uh, by the metrics of growth, but uh, people aren't feeling it because of the metrics of inflation. The virus is still around. People are still arguing. Uh, You know, in Maryland, they're saying they may make masks a permanent thing. Masks on airlines, the Biden administration is considering making a permanent thing. No way. This is a problem. Things are not going well for the Democrats. Joe Biden's polling is tanking. Republicans are winning on the generic ballot. Republicans are more likely to, uh, voters are to say more less likely to hold you in contempt for your economic situation right now. Things are bad, but I, I have a I have a reasonable fear. Will Republicans snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? There is some polling now that, that, that paints a picture out there and the big national story today is actually where I am in Georgia. Whoever thought Georgia uh, would be the center of the political universe? And usually we're thinking about Florida or Ohio or or Pennsylvania, some swingy state somewhere. But Georgia apparently is is the median point for politics, and we got to stretch out from there to Arizona, to Pennsylvania, to Ohio. There's there's data out there across the board. We begin though in Georgia because there's a series of national polls that have come out looking at Georgia and local polls as well. The Quinnipiac poll in Georgia with the University of Georgia and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll also with the University of Georgia. Two separate polls shows there's only one person beating Stacey Abrams at a statistical uh, significant margin. Uh, That person would be Brian Kemp. In the Quinnipiac poll that has come out in Georgia, David Perdue ties Stacey Abrams. In the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll that comes out, David uh, Perdue ties is three points better than Stacey Abrams within the margin of error. In the Quinnipiac poll, Brian Kemp beat Stacey Abrams. I, I want to say it's by three or four points in the Quinnipiac poll. In the Atlanta Journal poll, he beats her by seven points. The pollsters note that is a statistically significant difference, unlike Purdue. But there's a problem there. Uh, Donald Trump wants to destroy Brian Kemp. For those of you not in Georgia, you need to understand, contrary to what you may have been told, in Georgia, the governor is constitutionally prohibited from doing anything about elections. The Constitution makes it very clear only the Secretary of State can be involved in elections and election processes and the investigations of elections, but that hasn't stopped uh, Donald Trump from claiming otherwise. And his voters are very mad at Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who is standing between us and Stacey Abrams. Two separate independent polls show that only Brian Kemp can beat Stacey Abrams. Interestingly enough, David Perdue released an internal poll. After after Donald Trump convinced David Perdue to get into the Republican primary, David Perdue made his case to the Atlanta Atlanta Journal-Constitution and said, see, I'm the only one who can beat Stacey Abrams. Not only that, but I am statistically significantly ahead of Brian Kemp in the poll. If you take David Perdue's polling, his own internal polling he was proud of, and you compare it to the Quinnipiac poll and the AJC poll, there's been an absolute collapse of support for David Perdue. David Perdue had himself beating Brian Kipp 46-36. to In the AJC and the Quinnipiac poll, he's now losing. There's been an 11-point shift to Brian Kemp away from David Perdue based on his internal polling and a 10-point collapse for David Perdue. Based on David Perdue's own polling, it's his own polling. I'm not making this up. It's not someone else's poll. It's David Perdue's poll. When you take it and then you take either the Quinnipiac poll or you take the AJC poll, he's absolutely collapsed. But here's the problem, and this is where we get to and this is how it becomes a national story is that there's growing angst within the Republican ranks. Now, the AJC poll has Brian Kemp's approval at 48%. The Quinnipiac polling has it less than that and shows it's Republicans who are divided on Brian Kemp. Independent voters, moderate voters, suburban voters, conservative voters, they all like Kemp. But when you get to Trump supporters, they don't like Kemp. David Perdue is saying he can unite the party. But the way he's doing it is he's dividing up the party. The angst against Kemp has grown with David Perdue in. Interestingly enough, 10% of people say they're voting Vernon Jones. I didn't realize there were that many stupid people in Georgia. But nonetheless, I digress. Also, you should know, in the Senate race, Herschel Walker beats Raphael Warnock. Now, I sent it on an email earlier, and I read it wrong, uh, that uh, Warnock beat Walker by three points. Actually... Uh, Walker beats Warnock in the Q poll and in the AJC poll. Warnock, however, beats Gary Black, the Georgia Agriculture Commissioner, by five points. But the question is, who beats Stacey Abrams? We need to stop Stacey Abrams from getting to a national platform. And the way we stop that is to stop her from getting elected governor of a state. And the only person the polling says can stop her is Brian Kemp. Do Republicans in Georgia snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? There's a lot of concern in the polling. Given the angst, David Perdue has stirred up at the primary level. We got to stop it. This transcends Georgia, though. Because it gets to Pennsylvania. And it gets to Ohio. It gets to Arizona. Arizona. We need to pick up Arizona and Georgia to take back the United States Senate. And we have to hold Pennsylvania and Ohio, and Wisconsin, and we potentially can. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is not polling well. He loses to a generic Republican. There is one person who the polling makes clear can beat Mark Kelly. And that is Doug Ducey, the current governor of Arizona, who, by the way, is not a candidate for the United States Senate. But the polling shows if if Doug Ducey were to get in, he's the most popular politician in the state of of, uh, Arizona. If Doug Ducey were to get in, Doug Ducey would beat Mark Kelly. Doug Ducey has a statewide ground team in Arizona. Doug Ducey has a platform in Arizona. He's known in Arizona. He not only has name ID in Arizona, he has high favorable ratings in Arizona, except from Trump supporters. Interestingly enough, in Georgia, general election voters are more likely to vote against someone who has Trump's support than support them. 49% say they're less likely to vote for a candidate who Donald Trump supported, 30% say it doesn't matter. The minority is is of comes from those who say it would support. Joe Biden's approval rating in Georgia is in the low 30s. His disapproval, 61%. We now know for certain why Stacey Abrams didn't show up on stage with, uh, with, with Joe Biden. Short of her having a doctor's note saying she had to have major brain surgery on the day Joe Biden was on the stage in Georgia, we can be conclusively convinced now that Stacey Abrams refused to show up in Georgia with Joe Biden last week because he has a 61% disapproval rating. Interestingly enough, voters in Georgia are less likely to vote for a candidate if Donald Trump supports him and less likely to vote for a candidate if Joe Biden supports him. And then in Arizona, you have Donald Trump already attacking Doug Ducey, who's not even a candidate. Donald Trump says he would come out against Doug Ducey if he got into the race. The polling shows Doug Ducey beats Mark Kelly and the Republicans take the Senate. Do you want to take the Senate or placate Donald Trump? Generic Republican, interestingly enough, beats Mark Kelly. But when you actually put in the other candidates, they don't do so well. And Mark Bronovich does better than most. He's the sitting attorney general. He's the guy who got the big Supreme Court win on voting rights for the GOP. But his fundraising sucks. And then there's Nevada. In Nevada, this is a bright spot in Nevada. We could take Nevada. My friend Adam Laxalt is running. Right Adam Adam's a good dude known him for a while. Donald Trump supports him. The Club for Growth supports him. The Republican establishment supports him. Nevada, with Adam Laxalt, may be the only real race in the country where everyone from Trump across the board supports one candidate, Adam Laxalt. They've rallied to him and the Democratic candidate there is in real trouble. If we pick up Nevada and Arizona and Georgia, we get room for Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski to go wobbly and we still do great. Then there's Ohio. You know, early on, I said I'd support Josh Mandel. I've known him. Uh, he's a nice guy. Uh, he was the state treasurer, but dude has gone off the rails. It's an embarrassment. His campaign is an embarrassment. And he's just out there just flailing about. Uh, it's just, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, I'm not a, I, I, I'm i am rather embarrassed to see the insanity in Ohio, there has not been a ton of polls about the Ohio race. The last one had uh, Josh Mandel at 21, uh, J.D. Vance at 15. Then you've got uh, Gibbons, Timkin, Dolan, and Marino in there, but that's a poll from December. Mandel up six, but now there's more polling that suggests that the race is pretty well tied across the board with people, and Mandel and, and J.D. Vance are... Are destroying each other in just painfully awkward uh, stage performances. Josh Mandel has the backing of the Club for Growth. His campaign, though, is just, it just seems off the rails. We've got to hold Ohio. We need the best candidate in Ohio. Now, there are other candidates stepping forward in Ohio, um, and I don't know a ton about him, but I do think it's interesting. You've got other candidates who are trying to avoid the let me perform for Donald Trump's endorsement. You do need to understand that part of this is a performance for Donald Trump's endorsement that they really want support. Matt Dolan is a candidate who's just come out in Ohio. I don't know anything about him. This isn't an endorsement, but I'm actually kind of intrigued by his take instead of trying to show that he is a populist, uh, anti-establishment candidate. He's actually making his whole campaign about jobs and China. We are in a cold war, this time with China. And it's not just being fought on factory floors because China wants to dominate the world economically and militarily. Washington has caused this and Joe Biden's weakness makes it even worse. My priority in the US Senate is to defeat communist China they're bringing back our jobs and renewing our strength in the world. Our economic and national security depend on it. I'm Matt Dolan, and I approve this message. I, I, his, his message is conservative with results. I don't know him, but he's not clowning himself on the stage. Uh, and listen, I'm actually really intrigued with J.D. Vance. I, I know uh, Josh Mandel, I've known him for a while. I'm intrigued with J.D. Vance, who was someone who, kind of like me, didn't support Trump in 2016 – uh, with more gusto than I would ever muster is suddenly uh, advertising himself as a Trump guy. You know, in, in Arizona, there's Blake Masters, who is uh, they're both with what Peter Thiel, which I just find very weird. Is Peter Thiel who can't run for president because he's wasn't born in this country? Um, is he trying to, to get people in the Senate to advance his policy? I don't know. It's just very weird. He's got a big super PAC out. I suspect that's going to become an issue. Then in Pennsylvania, you've got Dr. Oz. You know, Sean Parnell, who I thought was an intriguing candidate, I didn't realize about his personal baggage. Sean Parnell is out. Dr. Oz has come in. Uh, Dr. Oz would be a terrible candidate. You know, he ran this thing the other day where he was in some uh, market, and he says, I found out Pennsylvanians are patriotic. You mean you're just now, you want to run for the Senate of Pennsylvania you're only now finding it out? Some um, multimillionaire or billionaire CEO has jumped into the race. A lot of Republicans are excited about this guy. I forget his name, Um, but they're breathing a sigh of relief. They may have a credible Republican candidate running in Pennsylvania. This is Pat Toomey's seat. He's the incumbent. He's retiring. Candidates matter. Candidates really matter. This looks like it's going to be a wave year for the GOP. So a candidate who's not polished can still win. In Georgia, Herschel Walker has beaten, he's now in two public polls, beating Raphael Warnock. He's going to be the Republican nominee. In Arizona, Mark Kelly loses to generic Republican. In Pennsylvania, the Republicans, they seem to be tied in generic balloting. With the Democrats for the Senate, that's great news in Pennsylvania, given the background there. In Ohio, the Republicans still have an edge if they don't destroy themselves in nasty, 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 nasty um, races. We just, we can't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. It's time for Republicans to recognize we got to put our big boy pants on so that we can take this back and stop the Democrats and stop Joe Biden. He's going to get a Supreme Court pick. Will he get another one? Will he get more picks? If we control the Senate, we can stop it. But we got to get united, and we've got to start realizing that, you know, sometimes we have our preferred candidate, and our preferred candidate may not be the candidate who's going to win. Can we rally to someone who's not our preferred candidate who has a chance of winning? And also, Donald Trump, can you stop trying to destroy the people the polls show actually are the ones who can stop people like Mark Kelly and Stacey Abrams. Please, for your own agenda's sake, stop trying to destroy the good candidates. Hello and welcome. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you're a small business and you need access to loans where a lot of banks are saying no, Reach out to First Liberty. They can help you get to yes, where a lot of banks are saying no. Their website, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. They can help you nationwide. Let's go to Jerry on the phones. Welcome to the program. Jerry, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you, Eric. I got a quick observation and then a question for you. What the left is really good at when it comes to Supreme Court justices is that they know exactly how their judges are going to vote. And if you look at their history, I'm just going to use two examples. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the former NOW, uh, National Association yeah. Women's Lawyer. Thurgood Marshall was the NAACP's lawyer. It seems like these guys go to organizations that they truly believe in, ask them who their attorney is, and they know this person's going to fight and vote however. Does the right finally realize that this consensus that we need 60 to 70 votes to get this person passed, do they, do they finally understand how the game is played, or are they still going to play just... Uh, I actually think that they do. I I saw, for example, David Axelrod pointing out how uh, Republican nominees got so many votes and and someone shut him down and said, notice you you stop before George W. Bush. Barack Obama wouldn't even support John Roberts, of all people. Yeah, I think the Republicans do understand that. And in fact, I think when you look at the latest crop of Trump judges, uh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and, and Barrett Kavanaugh, uh, maybe not exactly who you want, except you got to remember that the Republicans do have a slightly different strategy in there as well, and that they want to play a long jurisprudential game where we may not get a specific win on something, but we are shaping the long term legacy of the judiciary. Now, a lot of you will say, well, that's nuts because so are the other side with, with, I mean, consistently voting progressive, except consider this Antonin Scalia got the entire court, even the left, to embrace. Uh, textualism, and that you actually have to read the text of the statute and figure out what the writers of the statute meant. Uh, and Elena Kagan gave him credit for that. Uh, you see a conservative judicial philosophy playing a long game that you don't get from the progressives. Sonia Sotomayor, even Stephen Breyer, is not writing long term precedent for the court, and the conservatives consistently are. Yes, we're all frustrated that they're not as reliable as the left, but they're playing a different game than the left. And I think they might actually be playing the right one when you get into the precedence of the Supreme Court. Food for thought. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, real quick, I have a, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I've mentioned this before. And for those of you new to the program, uh, I I like to send out recipes once a week. Uh, One of the problems with it, just so you understand, it it, it has been really hard to do just from a technology standpoint. So I finally moved everything to Substack. It is so much easier uh, on Substack. And for absolutely for free, you can subscribe if you want uh, to the uh, Substack recipe list. There's no charge. All you do is text the word recipe to the number 33777. You'll get back a link. You'll see all the recipes, and you can subscribe. And every Wednesday, you'll get a recipe. In fact, I've already got the recipes logged in through March now. So every week, uh, you'll get, let's see, The uh, street-style chicken tacos, which I've been making on Sunday nights. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen this a lot because that's a fantastic recipe. Uh, I've gotten requests to redo the red beans and rice, so that one's going out as well. Uh, An update on the bacon-wrapped stuffed jalapenos is going out. There's a lot of recipes going out. Uh, Every week on Wednesday in the noontime hour, you get a recipe. In fact, one did go out yesterday, my chocolate sheet cake recipe, which is delicious, went out yesterday. Uh, so every week you get one, if you wish to subscribe, you are more than welcome to subscribe. There is no cost at all to subscribe. All you do is text the word recipe, singular recipe to three, three, seven, seven, seven. And I will send you back, uh, a link. You click that link and put your email address in. You'll see all the recipes and be able to go to it. Uh, it's separate from my political note, uh, which does have some subscriber benefits if you subscribe to that. Uh, you, you know, just uh, speaking of that, uh, at random aside here, I'm I'm kind of frustrated. So the other day, I, I got asked a question by a listener. All I did was get asked a question by a listener, and I, I wanted to explain. The listener wanted to know why, in my view... Uh, Having gone through seminary, why was uh, the transgenderism that we see in the world today, why was it, in my view, incompatible with Orthodox Christianity? All I did was explain it and am now having affiliates and advertisers harassed uh, by people upset that I dared to answer this question instead of denying it. so I realize it's the world we live in, but it's so frustrating. Uh, it's one, you know, it's, it's hard because uh, people subscribe to my my political sub stack, uh, paid subscribers to that. And it very makes it very hard to cancel me, which the left hasn't figured out yet. It's one reason, for example, they're going after Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan signed a, what was it, a $100 million deal with Spotify? Now, I want to be uh, open and honest with you. I don't have a problem with Joe Rogan uh, interviewing anyone he wants to interview at all, ever. He has interviewed in the past several weeks a number of people who are heterodox in their opinions on COVID. He's interviewed Dr. Robert Malone, who uh, invented one of the technologies that went into the mRNA, mRNA vaccine a while back. That's gotten all sorts of buzz about it. Uh, Malone is trying to undermine the mRNA vaccine. My personal theory, just so you know, it's my opinion, my personal theory, the reason that Robert Malone is undermining the mRNA and trying to cast doubt on the technology and the efficacy and the health and benefit of an mRNA vaccine is because if you listened to his interviews, he acknowledges he invented parts of it. Some, uh, some people have said he invented all of it. He didn't. He invented a precursor technology that was necessary to invent the mRNA. And if you ask him directly, he's very honest about that. And then he is very upset that the pharmaceutical companies and other people made uh, bajillions of dollars off of the technology. Uh, lots and lots of people profited, and he hasn't made a penny. So, in my mind, the way I interpret this, is if we're to follow the money, as so many people want to do, is Malone has a vested interest in discrediting the technology he helped invent uh, because he feels like he got screwed on the money side of it, and now he wants to hurt the people who are making the money. That's that's what I've thought all along. I don't care who Rogan interviewed. In fact, Rogan himself has interviewed people who are pro-vaccine. Rogan has interviewed uh, epidemiologists who've done deep dives on explaining uh, where the the virus probably came from. He was one of the first people to shed light on the the lab leak theory. He's had pro-vaccine people on. He's had anti-vaccine people on. Rogan interviews everybody. And all of his interviews are good interviews. Some of them are longer than others. Some of them are funnier than others. But I'm not a regular Joe Rogan listener. I just, I don't, as podcasters are long, I don't have time. I do three hours of radio myself a day. But they're always intriguing. What I find interesting are the number of people who think that uh, Spotify should somehow punish him. And one of those people is Howard Stern, who said this on uh, radio earlier then then uh... you know he's not i don't think he's for censorship i don't think neil young is for censorship i just think he's saying look i don't want to be part of this organization because if my music is helping people bring people to the table and then they're spreading something as lethal as don't take the vaccine do this Mm, that makes you know yeah i you know i'm against any kind of censorship really you know i really am i don't like censorship but when you're talking about like But, but, but I am against any sort of censorship. But when you're talking about life and death, um, that means you're really in favor of some censorship. This is something people don't seem to understand. When you say I'm opposed to censorship, but, that but means you're not actually opposed to censorship. So for those of you younger than me, there's this man. His name is Howard Stern. At one point in life, Howard Stern was a very famous individual. And Howard Stern was on radio stations around the country. Howard Stern pioneered the shock jock formula uh, better than even Don Imus had done. Don Imus had been a very famous shock jock. Uh, Howard Stern rose to prominence uh, in New York. Howard Stern would invite uh, porn stars on radio and interview them while they were performing ax let's just say, trying to keep it blight. Uh, Howard Stern eventually moved uh, with the advent of satellite radio. He moved to satellite radio and Sirius at the time, uh, there were two companies, Sirius and XM Radio. They merged and Sirius got Howard Stern. Sirius XM has paid him a boatload of cash to go to satellite radio on the assumption that he would drive a young audience to satellite radio. And in fact, For a time, it seems to have worked, and they paid him a lot of money. Dr. Laura moved off of terrestrial radio to Sirius XM when the heat got hot. The thing on satellite radio is you can say words and discuss topics you can't on terrestrial radio, where the FCC still has those seven dirty words you're not allowed to say. You can say them all on satellite radio, and Howard Stern does. What's so interesting is that when Howard Stern really rose to me, he was very libertarian. He wasn't just libertine. He was libertine, but also libertarian. Pro-free speech, uh, pro-drugs, pro-marijuana, pro-pornography, you name it. uh, Everybody have a good time. Very libertine, but also say whatever you want to say, and I will defend your right to say it. Age has a way of turning people, and I guess – uh, age has turned Howard Stern to where he's scared now. He he lives in fear of this virus. He has uh, had several statements lately of him being scared of the virus in some capacity. And he is on Neil Young's side. I, you know, I don't know that I've even... Um, I, at first, I thought it had to be Neil Diamond, someone people pay attention to. But it's Neil Young, and I don't know that I even know anything that he's ever done other than he did some collaboration with Pearl Jam. Uh, and that's it. But Neil Young apparently was a thing at some point, and some people apparently listened to his music. Spotify has chosen to side with Joe Rogan, who they've paid. Essentially, Joe Rogan is to podcasting what Howard Stern was to satellite radio. Joe Rogan had his own platform, making lots of money off of lots of ads uh, on his uh, videos on YouTube and his own channel, his own podcast. And Spotify paid him a pile of money to become an exclusive on Spotify. Now the reason Spotify did this is because of Apple. When the iPhone got started, so really before the iPhone, when the iMac came out, Apple pioneered iTunes. And in part of doing that with iTunes, he then um Steve Jobs and Apple then took allowed people to put their podcast URL on or RSS feed on You don't care about the tech side of it, but they made it very, very easy for people to access podcasts. But for Apple, there would really not be the podcast culture we have today. And Apple has never touched the podcast stuff. Uh, Nowadays, Apple is trying to make it easier for you to get subscribers and monetize your podcast. But by and large... Apple is just, you give us your your RSS feed for your podcast. Anyone, anywhere in the world can pick it up. We make it very easy, and they did. And podcasting took off because of Apple, and Apple kind of did the uh, absent landlord approach to it. Here, here's the platform. Y'all do it. We're going to step aside and let you do with it. Well, Spotify has decided to come in and buy up podcasters who have gotten very popular and move them exclusively to to Spotify, to try to induce people to subscribe to podcasts. If you want to listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, you must now be a a subscriber to to Spotify. In the same way, if you want to listen to Howard Stern, you must be a SiriusXM subscriber. And in fact, the Spotify deal for Joe Rogan in value is probably greater than the value that SiriusXM gave to Howard Stern. So maybe there's some jealousy there as well. Stern for years boasted about his deal with SiriusXM. The bottom line, though, is that SiriusXM is standing with Joe Rogan and allowing Joe Rogan to have his podcast and say what he wants to say. Now, let's be real honest here. The reason Spotify is doing this is because they've paid Joe Rogan a pile of money to come there. And they want to keep Joe Rogan happy because they see revenue metrics that suggest Joe Rogan is actually helping them. If Joe Rogan wasn't helping them, they'd cut him in a heartbeat. This isn't really for Spotify anything about freedom of speech. This is a business cost analysis. There are very few people downloading songs from Neil Young and very many people downloading podcasts from Joe Rogan. YouTube, however, is not so accommodating these days. You know, they've thrown uh, the, the talk show host Dan Bongino off YouTube for some of his videos. We've had video problems with some of the videos we put on YouTube, although we haven't been thrown off YouTube uh, if you go to youtube.com slash EW Erickson, you can subscribe to our videos. Our podcast, however, and this is why I like Substack, is because I control all of it. A lot of people are finding they go to platforms where they don't control the platform, and that platform can take them off or demonetize them. They can lose control. Babylon B is running into problems with Facebook right now, where Facebook uh, flags uh, flat fact checkers are out to get the Babylon Bee, even though it's supposed to be satire, the fact checkers harass them on Facebook and the computer algorithms on Facebook flag the Babylon Bee content and and they demonetize them. It's a problem Facebook's going to have to deal with because clearly people are gaming the system to hurt conservatives. They are livid. The New York Times is furious. Ben Shapiro tends to be the number one outlet on Facebook. So they've come after Facebook. All of this gets us back to the core issue of censorship. And it is a really dangerous game that the left is playing here. They have become very illiberal. The illiberal left. When it comes to censorship and ideas and views, if you don't have the right views, if you don't have the liberally orthodox views, they come after you. So the other week, we had a listener call. And the listener just said, kid, I explained to him, why so many people say that transgenderism is incompatible with Orthodox Christianity. And it's the very first chapter of the Bible. Uh, There's a word used there uh, in Hebrew, bara. God creates, and the bara word means that God creates divinely in a way that you and I can. And so the Bible says God creates us male and female, and the word is bara, meaning you and I cannot create each other male and female. Only God can do that. And so transgenderism is is therefore incompatible with Orthodox Christianity because we can't brah. We cannot create each other male and female. We cannot create ourselves male and female. And to the extent that people believe that they've been created in one body, but they're supposed to be the other body, that's the product of the fallen world and sin uh, infecting us mentally and infecting us physically. It has nothing to do with God. It's sin. That has infuriated some people, and by the way, that actually is, uh, whether you agree with the statement or not, that is basic Christian theology on the issue. It's indisputable that that's the case. But now people are trying to harass stations and advertisers of mine on the left for daring to say these things. We have arrived at a point in society where it is the left that has become very illiberal. And a lot of it, interestingly enough, if you delve into it, particularly with the Howard Stern, Joe Rogan stuff, it's fear. It's fear. They fear what people might do with that knowledge. And so they, on the left these days, are guiding themselves by fear. They fear the virus. They fear you might get the virus. They fear they might become infected with the virus. There's a poll out yesterday I meant to get to that people who are vaccinated and boosted have more fear of getting infected than people who are not vaccinated. Think about that. The people who've done everything they can to stop getting the virus are living in more fear than the people who never did anything to stop getting the virus. They're governing themselves with fear and their fear is being translated into censorship and the silencing of others. That's not a way to build a healthy society. And this is overwhelmingly, yes, it happens on the right, but overwhelmingly, This is a product of the left right now where the left has become illiberal because of their fears. They're not living by faith, nor are they living responsibly. They're living scared to death, and they hate the rest of us because we're not scared. One of the groups that's not scared out there is Patriot Mobile. They actually are putting their mouth money where their mouth is and supporting conservative causes. They want you as a customer to help them generate even more profit so that they can generate even more money for the conservative movement. They're a great company. You get 5G, data, voice. You can get all the – they use the same cell towers that all the big companies use, so you don't have to worry about the quality of service. What you do to get free activation and great discounts is go to PatriotMobile.com Eric, PatriotMobile.com E-R-I-C-K. You'll get free activation using my name. If you don't want to do it online, you can call them, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. If you're an NRA member, you get a discount. If you're a teacher, you get a discount. A veteran first responder, you get a discount. Large family, multiple lines, you get discounts. Great discounts, great savings, great company. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, if you're on the phone, just be patient because I got a minute here. It's not enough time to do justice to any of your phone calls. Uh, it, it, have you all heard of the site Zillow? Zillow is a real estate site where you can go look at houses. I've noticed this phenomenon for a while when, when I just try to keep up with property in different areas. And it just, it, property's getting gobbled up so quickly. And there is now a problem uh, with Zillow, where uh, Zillow's near-term fate hinges upon a market balance we've never seen before. They have been doing essentially um, what almost becomes house buying, where people can get into the Zillow algorithm, see what's coming for sale, and the houses immediately get bought, and then they can get flipped. And uh, realtors have been having a hard time uh, competing against the Zillow situation where people are on Zillow. Some are running algorithms, and it's part of why the housing market is as tight as it is, is these computer algorithms and and, and corporations buying up houses to turn them into rental properties. And now, because there's such a shortage, it's actually impacting uh, the company that really helped pioneer the, this algorithmic-based uh, search I, you know, we're we're in a political shift in this country and a political realignment. I think we're, we're in a cultural and technology realignment as well in ways most people don't understand where we've invented technologies now that were great at first. But now we're all being controlled by algorithms in ways that actually cause inefficiencies to perk up. And we're going to have to rethink what we're doing with the algorithms. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses. But what about you? You're a small business. you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are. If you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes, where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.